podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek Next Conversation, the world's longest running Star Trek podcast. Hosted by Matt and Andy. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Uh, we are season five, chugging along. We're in the dip. The season five dip, as I call it. Before it <laughs> skyrockets. Is it renowned? It is uh, not renowned. It might be a phenomenon only I have uh, assessed, but let me tell you, rewatching, it's it's true. Uh, the episode it's is... Serious. Imaginary. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're of two minds because, to me, I uh, I appreciated the last episode, so it's an interesting. Oh right, yeah. interesting conflict. Where, but on the other side, to of me, that it's episode. not a dip. To me, this is the peak. They're pretty bad. <laughs> With Alexander Roshenko's appearance, I was just like, now it's complete. <laughs> <laughs> we're just missing a Troy's mom. Uh, so I guess I should answer the question, everybody. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you really hate yourself. <laughs> it's funny for that, that fanfare to come after that statement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think trumpets shouldn't just be for grandiose great things. <laughs> I think trumpets should be blown at all, at all, on all occasions. So, sure. yeah, this episode is kind of... I mean, there are parts of it that are that are almost promising that like, you know, and then it just it just dives so far into cliche. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, I mean, we're going to talk about those cliches and so much more. But first, let's head over to the Admirals Club. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review and join the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, Andy, it's very easy. They just have to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, write whatever the hell you want. As long as it's five stars, you'll be in the Admirals Club. Who are Admirals this week? Uh, It is our friend from Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, boy. Uh, I've been hearing a lot from uh, that part of the world lately. Uh, We look for things. We look for podcasts to keep the commute going. Commute going. Uh, I found this one uh, at the episode. This podcast, he means at the episode. Brothers, coincidentally, one of my favorite episodes of STTNG. Matt and Andy, sometimes irrelevant, often irreverent, always entertaining in their discussions of the episodes of my favorite TV series. I even listened to the lists of names read out as they make <laughs> me chuckle driving around Scotland of a morning or an evening. Uh, currently helping the world get the prescriptions they require for their isolations. These guys cheer me up no end, endure and thrive, and keep up the good work. Brian, not so sc- sunny Scotland. Uh, Brian, thank you. I hope you enjoy the Admirals Club, and uh, I'm I'm sorry that you even listened to the names, but thank you. It's the very highest um, praise. I'm glad right you there. listened. You never know. There's uh, always a little bit of gold hidden in that uh, in that muck. Yep. Not the yep, muck. It's the, there. The beautiful names for it. I mean, you don't even have to dig, really. You just sit and listen. Let it happen to you. Let the gold happen. Let it wash over you. And with that, why don't we uh, get in and say hello to some of those beautiful people in the uh, president's circle? All righty. 
Everybody, it's the United Federation of Planets President Circle. How do you get in here? Well, it's easy. Head to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC, and you could be welcomed into the President Circle. And along with that, get yourself up to four extra podcasts a month, ladies and gentlemen. It is a hoot. Presidents get so much. So much. Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the following week, you get an Enterprise. Um, and then at the President's Circle level, you get uh, something from the MCU canon, a Marvel movie. This week, it's this actually just went up yesterday, is Captain Marvel. Next month is Avengers Endgame. And uh, finally, we top it off for the President's level with uh, an episode of Voyager. There you go, guys. I mean, come on. If you need someone to keep you company, our podcasts routinely touch the three-hour mark. So, Andy, who... Is going to be awarded our presidential fun thing, Pike. aka. See <laughs> what his brain is today. I was going to call it of the. Valor. I was going to call it the presidential uh, medal of freedom, like the real award. But we can start giving those out. Might as we well. Were. Seems like you're giving them out to anybody these days. Forgot we were in. That's true. Bar has been lowered. You're all eligible. <laughs> um, uh, here are the winners of the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Honorees. This week, uh, Lieutenant Noah Sudret, um, who says, Hey, Matt and Andy, I'm an essential worker employed at a microbiology and chemistry lab, and I also have a compromised immune system. As a longtime listener, your podcast has always helped me find some modicum of joy each week, and it's become even more important to me now with things being almost unbearably stressful. Your marveling episodes in particular have been a great help. And you guys have genuinely improved the quality of my daily life. Thank you so much for what you do. Keep up the great work. Uh, no, no, Noah, thank you um, for your brave and uh, an essential work in this very difficult time. And so sorry you're so stressed. Look, I'm so glad that our nonsense could give you any our relief. Our essential at all. work is to keep you unstressed. Yes. So not each other. We're no, failing at that. No, no, but no. All you people. We obviously will depends on the mood go at each other hard um but uh recover quickly unlike so many of you out there facing this endless stress that is now so if we can relieve a little bit of that then quite frankly we're happy to do it and enjoy your fictional award Enjoy. Uh, and our second one is to Lieutenant Veronica Wisely, who writes us, not related to the episode, but I could never think of anything clever to post to uh, be up for a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. And I needed to share this story with humans that will appreciate it. My boyfriend of almost two years has got, uh, finally gotten me into playing World of Warcraft with him about eight months now. This was quite an endeavor on his part, and it turns out I totally love it. A fun bit for me is that it is riddled with Star Trek references uh, and some of its NPCs and quests. I created a really badass druid named Janeway, but all my other name ideas have been taken. I see many a character with names related to Star Trek, and when I attempt to interact with them, I'm usually ignored. Until today, as I was listening to uh, the recent Voyager pod and playing World of Warcraft, we gained a new guild member, Darmok, and I uh, (laughs) typed... 
Darmok uh, and Jalad at Tanagra? To my delight, I, I received the response in caps, uh, Shaka, Shaka, when the walls fell, his arms wide. And just like that, I made my first friend in World of Warcraft other than my boyfriend, and the podcast has gained a new listener because I tell every trekker I, Trekkie I know about it. Live <laughs> long and prosper, Andy. Uh, live long and prosper to you. Uh, I guess I'll Gangway. just die here. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you're correct to address that to Andy. He is the ship's communications officer, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean? You'll guess you just died. It says live long and prosper, Matt and Andy. Oh, I only heard Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you took a shot at her, and she was being nice to both of us. Well, um, I did say she was right to only say it to you uh well i think actually based on our diets you're you're uh, you got your money in the wrong place if you're thinking expecting either of us to live long <laughs> but we'll try and prosper as much as we can yeah i would really i'd put it at the under guys the over under on us living a long time take the under uh, um, so Matt, uh, so because of Matt's uh, request to slightly restructure this part of the show, uh, we're going to make the uh, Pike Medal of Valor even more exclusive. And I have the very, very unenviable task of sorting through your wonderful hails and just picking a couple to put up top. And the rest are going to be uh, that are from the President's Circle and Lieutenant's level are still Priority One messages. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. And they're going to get preferred reading and, and, uh, and observation. Captain, we are being hailed. I'm just playing sounds, guys. Priority One messages coming in for the Presidents. You're, really, you're ruining the organization of this part of the podcast now. Um, so here are the Priority One messages from our President's level and Lieutenant's level. Uh, Lieutenant Catherine Gaitner Prez. Oh, she just writes Prez. Uh, just writes Dolphins in reference to that last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue Lieutenant that that should yeah. have been the only Christopher Pike winner. <laughs> well, the, instead of the essential worker, are you going to boot the yep. essential worker for the Dolphins comment? She just wrote <laughs> Dolphins. Short, to the point, perfect. <laughs> All right, you have your own taste. Lieutenant Jason Randall adds, uh, I forgot Dolphins were used on starships. I feel like a monster now because when a starship explodes from an active battle, my mind uh, now goes, oh no, the Dolphins. <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish, Matt and Andy. Um, a nice little... <laughs> Nice little uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide reference there. Um, Lieutenant Jay Wheeler writes us, uh, could this be the most appropriate uh, episode for Andy Needs a Girlfriend sound drop? Yes, I think so. But listening to uh, Andy and Matt give two different opinions of every episode is what makes the podcast one of my favorites. Thank you, Jay. Just because we're not talking about Perfect Mate doesn't mean it still doesn't apply, everyone. Andy Needs a Girlfriend. Well... That's true. It, it really doesn't apply. <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Bob Blair writes, I think Andy's personal truth is that this is a great episode, and Matt's historical truth is that it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy that's, that one. Well, that's funny. Um, it's referencing the first s- duty. Lieutenant Samuel... <laughs> excuse me. Just a regular cough, not a not COVID cough. I hope. Sorry, drinking a little bit of water to wash down the COVID. Lieutenant Samuel Birdsis of Praises Child. <laughs> <laughs> the full thing was Samuel Birdsis of Praises Child. I love it. Uh, 
This episode was clearly written by a guy that was friend-zoned by his idea of a perfect woman who went out with guys that, in his mind, didn't deserve her. And then the second part of his thing <laughs> is, uh, do you think that if she ran into Jordy, she would have started acting like a robot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a yes. lot of hails to this effect were written yes. about what would you act like with Shorty, <laughs> and it was all that. Uh, Lieutenant Mark Movie King Schultes writes us, gents, have you either of you heard of the bonkers grimdark Showtime sci-fi show Lex? Have you met? No. The premise, I remember the advertisements, but I never watched it. Uh, even though it had a, a, an attractive lady on it, I still didn't watch it. The premise of the episode, The Perfect Mate, is strikingly similar to the backstory uh, for the lead female, whose Cronenberg-esque origin is far less romantic. Raised in the wife bank, Zev is fated to become a love slave, but instead becomes a sexy wanderer in love with an undead assassin. Like I said, bonkers, but in the best way. Paired with Farscape for most of its run and using the cheesiest of cheese effects, Lex ran for four seasons as Zev and the cast searched the galaxy for a new home, all the while her love slave libido would get her and the others in trouble. A lot to unpack with that show. Anyways, couldn't ignore the possibility of uh, one of their writers saw this episode and said, we could do a whole show about that girl. (laughs) Well, Although, would it have gone back that far? Would it have post-dated? Next generation? I don't know. I, I mean, there's no way to know, really, Andy. <laughs> yeah, if only there's a way we could look it up. Um, Lieutenant Chris O'Neill writes us, uh, the marriage plot of this last episode made me realize how seemingly no one in Starfleet has a significant other, much less a spouse. Are Keiko and O'Brien the only married people on the ship? I guess Riker and Troy eventually tie the knot, uh, but they're in their 50s by that point. I'm not as familiar with the other series, but do any major characters in the franchises have long-term roman- have a long-term romantic partner? Yes. According to Star Trek, uh, maybe Andy doesn't need a girlfriend. <laughs> you can play it there if you want. <laughs> um, Andy needs a girlfriend. Uh, the soundbite re- refuting your, your point. Um... It is true. Even the guy in this, the one who's the father of the uh, the girl that's friends with the demon child, seems to have no one else around. Uh, I imagine that his wife was killed in battle. You know, I thought of that too, although it's never addressed. It seems like that's... But I don't know. look, there are long-term romantic pairings throughout. You end up with... Uh... Careful of spoilers. Many, many romantic partners. <laughs> Do you want, I'll take my headphone off. You say, you it's say all okay. the people. If it's a, why would I spoil it for everybody? If you're worried about it. Well, if were they minor characters or they're major characters? Oh, I was just going by main characters. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you want to write in, I can have uh, Matt forward you a, a hail. If you uh, want, if you want to write in about those spoilers who are the people i can't look it up matt tell me who it is what are you talking about no i'm saying that's what they would be oh oh i thought that was actually you and i was confused as to how you now immediately change your mind on the spoiler no 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 way you can't wait (laughs) no 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 you know me about spoilers (laughs) lieutenant dak pate writes us uh i'm only about an hour into the podcast so i don't know if it's addressed but apparently famke jansen jansen was pegged to play Jadzia Dax in DS9, but I believe her desire to work primarily in film kept her from commit- committing. 
I think it would have been interesting to see how that would have turned out. While I love Terry Farrell in the role, having Xenia, 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 Xenia era, uh, era Famke in DS9 would have been highly entertaining. How do you feel she would have compared, Matt? Um, I think she could have pulled it off nicely. I think Terry did a great job, though. So It's one of those weird ones where it's like, I can imagine her. Yes, I can. Sometimes you think of people and you're like, I can't imagine anybody else playing Data. Right. How would that have been? Yeah. Yeah. But like with I Terry... Agree. Farrell and, oh. and Famke Janssen, I feel like, okay, I could see that. I'm actually speaking in ignorance because I've only seen the pilot. Was Jadzia even in the pilot? Yeah. To yeah. DS9? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I guess she didn't grab me because I didn't hang around. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Joe Moore writes us, hey guys, love the show. Personally, I think they did sleep together. Picard's non-answer pretty much confirmed it. Uh, anyway, keep up the awesome work. Stay safe. Uh, on that note, I actually put a. Uh, this should show you how much time I have on my hands, like all of us. I put a poll to see whether people thought Picard and Kamala did it or they didn't do it. And uh, here were. It's taken a long time to come up. Here were the results. Um, seventy-five percent, or it's twenty-five percent, said Picard and Kamala did it. And 75% said Picard and Kamala didn't do it. Uh, and uh, some of the comments were very funny. Uh, if you join, you can read them. Uh, Theseus, uh, I think this is something that's supposed to make me say something. Uh, Neil Studd says Picard doesn't know what it is. Lauren Gleason says, I think Riker would have. Picard is too responsible. Um, Tara Hunter says Andy needs a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Lee says, I subscribe to Andy's theory that Picard is an eternal virgin. Um, and uh, and uh, and uh, Mark C. right. I thought his non-answer was because he fell in love with her, not that he ejected his warp core into her nebula. Right. Also, wow. Quite a way to put it. Um, where did you that fall is, on that? I don't remember. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with my, my theory that he has never had sex. Right. Yeah, so we agree. Yeah. Picard did not jeopardize the war of two species just so he could get the bone zone going. So that's it for the president's circle. If you want to step into the hallway, we will... Now here's where the regular hail. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. Uh, hi, Andy and Matt. Ken Molay here, uh, ship's historical archivist, Sinatra Division. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's the one who sends us our information about Sinatra. God bless him. I don't know what came over me, but I ended up obsessing over one and a half seconds of Matt's voice in the last episode. The attached clip was the result. Thanks for all you do. Ken from Cary, North Carolina. And here it is. I've not heard this yet. Here we go. Andy, Matt. There's no way to justify what you're about to hear. The only excuse I can give you is that it's short. I was listening to your discussion during the episode on The Perfect Mate and heard this little snippet of dialogue. I assumed Pike Medal of Valor was a separate situation from the hail bag, and I thought in the hail bag there are priority one messages that come from our Patreon folks. 
Did you catch that cadence from Matt right in the middle of the sentence? Let me isolate it for you. In the hail bag. Well, I knew I wasn't going to get any sleep until I produced this. So, here it is. In the hail bag. In the hail bag. Join your In the hail bag. In the hail bag. In the hail bag. It's pretty uh, sweet, Ken. I love it because as soon as he isolated it, I heard it. <laughs> you did? You yes. knew where it was going? Yes. That's so funny. And then when it started, I laughed because it was joyous. Thank you for that, Ken. Ken, if you want to give us a shorter one of that, maybe we'll sprinkle it into our hailbag seg- segment here and there. Um, Beth Clark writes us uh, a lot of different opinions. Uh, some people saying they were charmed by the episode. Some say people saying they were offended by Kamala's uh, portrayal. Uh, I tried to cover as many as I could. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. This is from Beth Clark. Uh, the thing that has always irritated me about this episode is that Famke Janssen's character had no motivation beyond pleasing or serving the men she encounters. I appreciate that it may appear she is initially choosing Picard over the other guy, with the reason being that she enjoys the way it feels to be adventurous, independent, intelligent, and confident. Not in itself a bad thing. But she only experiences those traits because she senses that is what Picard wants or values in a partner. In that sense, she is defined in opposition to the men around her and has no internal motiv- independent internal motivation. I understand that this is the premise of the character, but I don't think that the episode goes far enough in seeming uh, in her seeming to choose Picard and then choose to do her duty over to overcome that premise. If she had in some way chosen to not be with Picard other than not to marry the other guy and instead learn who she is independent of other people, maybe that would have been less irritating to me, but I suppose it would depend on the execution. That sort of ending could be very easily contrived. Uh, thank you for... Uh, or could easily be very contrived. Thank you for an interesting discussion on an episode I usually skip. Cheers, Beth. I mean, I would say keep skipping it. Andy would say watch it repeatedly. Uh, well, here's somebody who agrees with me. Jack Turek writes us, Hello, Andy. And then he goes, in, And Matt, in parentheses. Uh, but I think that's just because I'm the one that reads the hails. I agree with you, Andy, that this episode was really good. Speaking as a gay man, I was heartbroken at the end when she left him. And I don't even have a girlfriend. I don't even need a girlfriend. <laughs> um, I say Matt was overthinking it, but that this was a simple, beautiful, tragic love story. Um, by the way, the show is great. Love everything. Anyone who complains about your conversations at the beginning and wants you to immediately talk about the show clearly didn't listen to the intro these are the conversations of the friendship Matt and Andy um, excellent point it, it's in our treatise Aberendus yeah the you first can't, can't. duty of every TNC host <laughs> oh, is to Jesus conversation <laughs> oh goodness gracious um, Kim Burton uh, writes us whoa uh, dear- Kim Burton <laughs> That's right, director, <laughs> director of uh, Big Fish, of the recent Willy Wonka reboot. <laughs> Those are the two we pull: Big Fish and the Willy Wonka reboot. Oh, uh, dear Kitty, Andy and Matt. Been? I have thought about emailing you every time there's uh, an episode that has romantic overtones, and um, uh, but this time I had to sit down and write. First, uh, every episode that Matt specifically or Andy dislikes that most 
were the episodes that my teen girl heart remembers the most. I don't particularly remember the fighty-fighty episodes, but I do remember the love episodes. Oh, to be a teen girl in the 80s watching SDTNG because your older brother got to choose what the family watched that night on one TV we had in the house. Second, I have really come to the conclusion that neither of you understand women at all. Kamala was going through the last phase of her empathic metamorph puberty and mated for life with Picard that last night they were together. Hence the reason she wanted him to stay, she chose him, making the first decision she has ever made by herself for herself. Also, I wouldn't have liked a male version of Kamala on the ship, but I would have liked it if Kamala came uh, on to both male and females alike equally. I totally agree with that last part. 100%. Um... I will also say, since you brought up the first duty, she had one other point um, that was, third, Andy, there is a difference between seeking the truth and telling the truth or lying. And that is all I'm going to say about that because I'm not sure I can listen to that conversation again. <laughs> um, no one should ever be forced to listen to that. No. Uh, but you know what? You probably will be. Uh, Rebecca Crane writes us, Hi, Matt and Andy. In regards to The Perfect Mate, as a woman, I've always found this episode uncomfortable and identified with Beverly's position. Even though Kamala is making her own choice at the end, it feels uh, a lot to me, uh, feels a lot like when me and other women are asked to compromise or capitulate to keep the peace or not cause trouble, in quotes. Uh, Yes, it's her choice, but probably not the one she actually wants to make. Keep up the good podcasting, being an essential worker, tech support for a public high school, and losing my cat to cancer a few weeks ago. RIP Boots. Uh, TNC has been something I can look forward to. Thanks, Becky. Our deepest condolences on your cat, Becky, and uh, and our deepest thanks on being an essential worker. Absolutely. Um, uh, if I had bagpipes and a photon torpedo, I would shoot your cat into space. It's the highest um, honor. It's the highest honor, be- Andy. I know, I hear you. So we're clear. I, when I worked at the funeral home, I did look into a photon torpedo casket. Oh my God. Somebody would do that, right? Someone's got to make one. I couldn't get one, but we had a couple that were like, oh, that looks kind of close. You should cause a future nightmare for Dory and have that be requested in your last (laughs) will and testament. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Um, Carrie Ann Mance writes us uh, Hi Andy and Matt I'm really excited to revisit this episode with you and hope you aren't too hard on it. Growing up this was one of my favorite episodes to watch. My mom was a huge Star Trek fan and had almost every episode recorded on VHS, commercials and all. Sometimes she would let me pick the ones to watch. Sometimes <laughs> is, uh, she was not really uh, giving you much flexibility as a child there. Looking back I always pick the ones with children or music. Oh, You must have loved... Uh, what was that last one? The first, not the first duty. Uh, was the, the higher, the fewer. One? I'm just going to call it the yeah. higher, the fewer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Aside from Picard playing the xylophone type of in- instrument in this episode, I'm not sure what else I loved about it as a child. As an adult, I really admire Picard's internal struggle and how his honor slash duty wins over his lust intrigue. Having dated some not so great guys, it's really nice to watch Picard's delicate chivalry and unselfish approach to dealing with her her over-the-top thirst 
Having lost my mom almost eight years ago, Star Trek is one of the few ways I can still feel close to her. It's something we shared without my sister. Watching SDTNG and listening to you all discuss the episodes takes me right back to our little White House in Ohio, and I can almost see her leaning out of the kitchen to tell me to pick an episode and put on tape. Uh, put it in the tape. So thanks for all those uh, for the weekly dose uh, qu- during quarantine and helping me feel less alone while getting to re- reminisce about the good times with my mom. Live right. long and prosper. Embrace your parents while you can. Lieutenant Carrie of House Mance. Carrie, uh, I really look forward to the food tangent recommendations for LA and New York. Oh, good. I really miss them, she says. Did you ever, Carrie, I'm asking her direct question, did you ever select this episode? <laughs> I imagine she would have to. She said she she uh, she kind of found like it was uh, relevant and wow. and uh, she loved it. We only had like I only had like six or eight episodes on tape of TNG. We had was... all of the original series, but we only had like and the one tape I played the most was probably. Oh, curious. Uh, elementary, Dear Data. Season Interesting. Two. Well, just like of the choices I had, that was what I always put in. Fascinating. Big uh, fan of Moriarty. Yeah. <laughs> we got another Moriarty coming, right? Yeah, in uh, season six. I'm really looking think, forward to that. I think it's six. Is, is it satisfying? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh oh! Bring bring back Moriarty for the Picard show. This is not a spoiler, okay? Because okay. it's cold open of that episode, okay. so Very it's good. not a spoiler. Okay, but Barkley's in that one. Oh, <laughs> so great! That's just a thing you'll see in the trailer when we watch the trailer. Okay. Um, any other hails? One, one more. All right. Nanaya, hang on. Uh, Incoming message. Captain, incoming message. <laughs> Just loves to hit the buttons. Nanaya B. Hi, Matt and Andy. My two cents on the question if of Kamala if Kamala chose to bond with Picard. They make it a big point to mention several times that Kamala stops flirting with other men as soon as she has bonded with her final partner. So I assume she is not bonded with Picard in the cargo bay because she flirts with several people afterwards. Then, when she gets to know Picard and appreciates his concern with her... She seeks out his company. When she asks him to stay with her the night before the ceremony, she knows that uh, this is the time for her final stage of maturity. Finisral is complete. Um, uh, so she chose to bond with Picard by having him around when it is time for her to bond with someone. Just my interpretation. Love the podcast. Thanks for entertaining for your entertaining insights into my favorite show, Nanaya B. Thanks for the message. I think... We should never talk about this episode again. Imaginary and I think friend. I'm we should talk about, about no, it every talking week. Talking about imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a couple of prime correctives. Oh, let's open up. that up. Time for a retrospective. Because truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Because Matt Andy got it wrong. Usually just Matt. Randall Umstead wrote us, I can't believe Matt thought the hail about the electron microscope was a Niles quote when it was clearly a season one, episode nine quote from Frazier responding to a caller. Come on. You know, there was part of me that was like, I got that wrong in the moment almost. 
I remember Roz being in the scene. Um, and I decided to just let it go. Yeah. And I apologize to everyone for that. I accept Um, your corrective. There's one more. (laughs) Only Matt. Thank you. And he doesn't stick his neck out with pretending he knows things. Will Falzone writes us, uh, Hey guys, uh, this one is from a few weeks ago, but I'm just emailing about it now. At one point, Matt says he would drop Macaulay Culkin and save his own son. This is, of course, a reference to the good son. However, Culkin is the mother's own son. Matt uh, would have, have have to drop Elijah Wood to save her own son. No one misreferences the good son on my watch. <laughs> If you'd like to send us a hail, you can send it to sttncpod at gmail. Uh, please put the title of the episode at the top and try to keep it brief if you can. Or you can post, get priority uh, access on our uh, Patreon. And if you can't keep uh, the words brief, just uh, voice hail us. Uh, yeah, although probably keep that one on under a minute if you can too. Uh, you can uh, find uh, Matt Myra at, at Matt Myra at Twitter or Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at, at Andrew Secunda or at Secunda on Twitter. To send us a voice hail, it's 816 Trek TNC. That is it for the hail bag. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. All right, it's time to talk about Imaginary Friend, which aired May 4th, 1992. Andy, what was happening? The number one song in the U.S. was Still Jump by Criss Cross. It was indeed, and I had this ready to go, but close the window for some reason. Oh, there it is. Hey, nice. The number one movie was Basic Instinct. The number one song in the UK was Deeply Dippy by Right Said Fred. Still hanging in there, killing it over there. Uh, the number one book was The Pelican Brief by John Grisham. Time Magazine cover, Why Roe vs. Wade is Already Moot. First that week, NBA star and thingamajig on The Masked Singer, Victor Oladipo. <laughs> yep. That's that week, Marlena Dietrich. Uh, events that week, Space Shuttle Endeavor makes its maiden flight. Nice. Space related, I like it. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, come on! It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on! Let me play. Andy, what was the chairman of the board up to when this episode was airing? I'll tell you, Matt. The previous night found Frank singing at the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum in Florida. He was continuing his tour with Shirley MacLaine. They had both appeared in the film version of Around the World in 80 Days 26 years earlier, although he had only had a brief cameo. They both had major billing and some came running and can-can. And McLean shows up in an uncredited cameo in 1960s Ocean Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. What? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What'd you do? Where's my record? That's last week's. That's last week's. I was going to (laughs) say. 
really stuck it was very familiar for a while. I'm so sorry. Okay, uh, hit it. I'll read it for this Frank week. Frank Sinatra, oh. come on. <laughs> Time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> this was an off week for Frank, so we might as well go all the way back to the same date in 1947 for episode... Uh, uh, hashtag 272 of command performance. This show uh, was carried on an armed forces radio for American troops still stationed around the world after the war. Frank appeared alongside Benny Goodman, Johnny Mercer, and Marilyn Maxwell. Frank sang, sang Old Man Crosby, a takeoff on Old Man River uh, that stuck it to his friendly rival, Bing Crosby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, glad I caught that. That would have really ruined the show right there. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about Imaginary Friend. It was directed by Gabriel uh, Beaumont, teleplay by Edith Swenson and Brandon Braga, story by Ronald Wilkerson, Gene Mathias, and Richard Flagel. And here is Dr. Larry, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek's uh, synopsis of the episode from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Troy tries to assure an officer that the imaginary friend created by his little daughter Clara is a normal reaction to a childhood of constant change. But as the Enterprise prepares to explore the FGC-47 Nebula, Clara's friend Isabella materializes. Soon, she is getting Clara into all sorts of trouble, leading her into areas of the ship that are off-limits to children, like main engineering and 10 forward. Meanwhile, the Enterprise has become surrounded by strands of an inexplicable, nat- inexplicable nature that are draining the ship's power. At the same time, Clara and Worf's son Alexander are becoming fast friends until Isabella sabotages their relationship. Clara's playmate now turns even more frightening, telling the little girl that she and all the others aboard are about to die. Summoned by Clara's father to help, Troy tries to prove to Clara that her imaginary playmate can't hurt her and is promptly stunned by Isabella. Picard realizes there is a connection between the energy strain his ship is experiencing and Clara's playmate, a fact soon confirmed by Isabella. She says her kind will feed off the ship's energy, rejecting Picard's offer of alternative energy sources. She says the ship deserves to be destroyed because of the way... Her friend Clara is treated, but ultimately she relents in the face of Clara's plea. That's <laughs> really, that's really, that's really it. Andy, that's, that's the plot. Really, that's 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 no getting around it. That's what the episode's about. That's how this episode goes. <laughs> um, now, Andy, of course, this is. Uh, oof. Let me just get this mic into position here. Let me open up the old episode. Let me start a Netflix party. And invite... No, I already started one. You oh, have a link. Did you send me the link? It should be... Oh, it's not I in did the chat, because same... we had to start a new chat, I think. I know. I did the same thing I did last time, which I sent you it in the Netflix link, which is not useful to you, because you're not in it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. How do I get the chat? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go again. My apologies. It's okay. I tried to be responsible, and then I uh, didn't think it through. 
All right. Let me click over here. Whoops. Wrong Getting way. some pizza tonight. You have pizza? We got to get some bootleg pizza out here. It's it's difficult to get because it's just the guy with the one truck doing uh, socially distant handing you the pizza. Exciting. But, uh, you ever you ever do anything like order like uh, one of these like Chicago deep dishes from Chicago or something? You on, know, on, like uh, old belly. A, f- a friend ordered that recently, and I was thinking about it. But that can't be that can't be satisfying, can it? Well, I mean, if you really think about it, those ingredients aren't cooked until they hit the oven anyway and if they're sending I tell you, frozen i've not? been uh, messing around with uh, with bread and stuff and i think i might be uh, buying myself a, a deep dish pan and trying to cook my own pizzas which is if i can do that easily that's going to be a a dangerous discovery well, why wouldn't you do a regular new york style you know, uh, I'm just been in more of a mindset lately since I started getting these deep dishes of a good deep dish because I found out there are a couple that are uh, you know the old uh, Pizza Hut sort of deep deep pizzas yeah, the that, pan that pizza, before they yes yeah they 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 used to be so unhealthy and oily and crispy and amazing on the bottom and then they changed them mm-hmm. and uh, now I've discovered a couple that actually have that quality so I want to see if I can recreate it. Ooh, wish us luck. And by us, I mean Andy and his heart. Uh, Okay, here we go. Here's the captain's log. Imaginary friend. Oh, yeah, no captain's log. It just starts, does it? Yeah, let's get into it. They're like, why are we wasting any time? We got to find out what this little girl's up to. I have to cook all kinds of stuff, like yogurt and raisin salad. See, you thought that that conversation about what Andy's cooking was unrelated to the episode, but it is very much related to the episode because that's how Clara is dealing with therapy, talking about what she cooks. I was trying to segue into it. Purple omelets. Purple omelets? You put grape juice in the eggs. Maybe you could draw me a She's very grossed out by purple omelets, and I don't understand. Yeah, she's she's very supportive about everything except that. <laughs> oh, we should be honor your imaginary friend as though they are real. Purple omelets. Get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? <laughs> I'll bet Isabella is very pretty. She's I like how much the father is scowling during all this. <laughs> and blue dress with white buttons. Ears are pierced. I like to imagine that that's not her father. Yeah. Troy has just taken over this ensign's quarters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see that conversation. He's like, he's like what the fuck is happening? Well, I outrank you, so I'm afraid I that know, uh, you're going this to have not to... appropriate. We're on a giant galaxy-class ship. Aren't there other places you could have this... I like to spread out. Okay. I don't... <laughs> what's happening? I don't, I'm using my office for storage right okay, now. Okay, but what about your quarters? Mike, oh, quarters is it's where I live. I can't have it be where I work. <laughs> I need you? to separate those things. Oh, fuck. Why aren't I on duty? <laughs> She's tall. Maybe you could draw me a picture. I'd love to see what she looks like. You don't think she's real? I think she's real for you. And that is real enough for me. Honey, I think it's time for you to go now. You don't want to keep Keiko waiting. Just I have to go back to now. I'm Keiko's helping our burritum today. Is that so? You go ahead, sweetie. And be home in time for dinner. Keiko's getting all sorts of mentions. No I screen time. Soon. 
Oh, yeah? Maybe we can be friends. Nurse Ogawa's okay. all over it, though. Mm-hmm. That's another... I was thinking, oh, actually, I guess we were already passed it. But I said, did this be, someone had mentioned they were disappointed that we didn't do a uh, counting Nurse Ogawa's lines to see if she got an over five or an under five. (laughs) So we might want to keep an eye on it. I think this guy's definitely over five, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's a guest star. Yeah. Isabella says she likes you. Why, thank you, Isabella. She's crazy, right? <laughs> Can you get out of my quarters now, please? <laughs> really, you have nothing to worry about. It's a normal, healthy activity for children to engage in imaginary play. I'm, I'm just afraid she's not making any real friends. She spends all of her time with Isabella. You've been moving from starship to starship since Clara was two years old. Maybe Isabella provides a constant companion. She knows this is one friend she won't have to leave behind. You're probably right. I want to know why this guy's getting booted from Once every starship he's on. Friends on the Enterprise, you'll probably find that she'll leave her imaginary world behind. He's probably just like, oh, that's a better assignment. I'm going to go there. Oh, that's yeah. good. Oh, the flagship yeah. of the Federation? Fuck yeah. Has he just been trying to get to the Enterprise the whole time? Maybe. Captain's log, started 45852.1. The Enterprise has arrived at FGC-47, a nebula which has formed around a neutron star. We are eager to investigate this unique formation. We've got elevated quantities of hydrogen, helium, and trionium, but nothing the shields can't handle. Shields up. Take us in, Anson. One quarter impulse. Aye, sir. Then we see a little light that flies into the Enterprise. And you're supposed to be like, ooh, what's that? And then Jordy and Data work out a problem in a corridor, which I enjoyed. Observations. Oh, my God. Processing time will I don't, be required. I don't tend to... Uh to make jokes like this, but when I when I saw that scene, I wrote down Matt must be hard. Oh, <laughs> it's just first of all protocol and techno babble till the end. Inappropriate and yes, it's still a couple of hours from the engineering team while they're recalibrating the thermal interferometry scanner. Will two hours be enough time to complete the high resolution series on the neutron star? No problem. We'll just double up the main sensor bandwidth while they're freeing up the lateral units. Hmm. Gotta free up those lateral units. I gotta say, first of all, I have two things to say. One thing is, uh, is that the only casual techno babble protocol scene where literally, like, the thing that happens is the twinkly light comes in, mm-hmm. but there's no other conversation about anything? No. Like, I, I don't remember seeing a, a scene like that where it's not in relation to a crisis and. It's just. I feel like they've had downbeats from start of to that, finish, yeah. but like, think so. not that being the only thing that happens in the scene. Yeah, and then the other thing I had to say was, uh, I'm curious uh, if you don't know offhand, if people know offhand, how many twinkly light episodes there have been in Star Trek. Because I can think of three right off the top as the one we saw a couple of episodes ago that turned into the goo. And then Well, Andy, that was And not then there's a the one that knocked light. up the that one was, that knocked up Troy. That was Stardust. <laughs> what do you mean? There's Twinkly oh, Light star- and then it was like Tinkerbell. <laughs> it was very different. I don't know. It was making a twinkly sound like Tinkerbell. That was fairy dust and <laughs> fairy this is dust. the fairy. <laughs> I see. I apologize. I apologize to the writers of Star Trek. Meanwhile, Nurse Ogawa and 
Beverly are getting some hot goss on. And then after dinner, then what? We went to the holodeck and took a walk on the Champs-Élysées. One. <laughs> the neural scanner still seems to be a bit off. Let's check the sensor calibrations. I'll run a diagnostic. Two. <laughs> And? And? After Paris? Three. He has surely four. Four. He asked me to go there with him. No problem. Nurse McLuggage can cover for you. I don't think I'm going, Doctor. Five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are an over five, Nurse Argawa. Congratulations. Try to talk him into Tavilla Minor. They have a cruise down the Jogway River. The iridescent currents are beautiful. FYI. I feel like Beverly's being super <laughs> aggressive in this scene. <laughs> Nurse I, Ogawa is not continuing that conversation, and she is really digging. I think it's Beverly's sick bay, and if you're in there, you got to answer every question. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> I feel like we've seen this lady in another episode as a character. Am I wrong about that? Uh, let me see her again. I don't Maybe recognize I her. I'm going to see. She might have a claim to fame. <laughs> really? I, she looks very familiar. I think she, she just looks listed. like generic Star Trek background. It's also possible. But look, everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> Whoa. So she hums, and then all of a sudden, there's humming, and it's this evil-looking child. <laughs> and then we're out <laughs> of the cold open. Uh, what are you thinking, Andy, when you see the cold open, and you're like, evil child? Uh, you know, it's it's certainly concerning, but I was still like, and I knew you already hated the episode, but I was still kind of like, hey, this could be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not against a sort of Damien-like child on the ship. Yeah, like if, if you can handle it, right? Sure. I mean, if it's if it's done correctly and interesting, yes. There was a child. I'm looking at the credits, and there was a child named Bjork that was on there. No, it's just I've never seen you before. Not for real. Well, now you can see me for real. Doesn't that make you happy? Yes, it's wonderful. Can we go now? If this alien being can scan her memory or brain to the point where she can put out a an image, project an image of her imaginary friend, then you would right. think that she would know that those adults that are telling her not to be in 10 forward aren't malicious. Yeah, it's that's a valid point. I guess if you wanted to argue on behalf of the, the episode, you could say that she has the information, but she's clearly a more sensitive kind of defensive uh, being, and therefore she's interpreting the information in a negative way. Hmm. Interesting. Better finish planting the seeds first. I'm tired of planting. Let's do something else. Like what? Like... Also, there's no reason for this alien to materialize. She clearly has function over objects when invisible. Right. right. There's no need for her to need the child to go to engineering. 
Right. She has floated through the shields into the hull of the ship. There seems to be no reason why she can't keep floating. You raise a very interesting point, which is, is she becoming friends with Clara uh, to, for, a, for a, a strategic purpose? And I, I don't know that I ever felt like that was defined as such. I feel like it was almost like it was floating around. He wanted to get a sense. Oh, no. The, doesn't the alien sort of say at the end that it was trying to get a sense of them and what the humans and whether they're dangerous or or of concern? Yeah, but couldn't she like, hang out and observe? Well, I guess and, she wanted to get more directly involved. By not appearing when the adults are there? What's the point of appearing? Um, to interact with the uh, with the human, with the child, directly. with the child. Yeah. Well, look, she didn't know she was a child. She just knows she's a person. Um. Again, I think this whole episode is moot. <laughs> <laughs> I would really like to explore the ship. We better finish planting first. I promise, Keiko. We can finish later. Let's go look around. I better ask my daddy. Your daddy won't mind. We can tell him later. Come on. So what are we going <laughs> to... Call this nebula. FGC 47 just doesn't have the proper ring to it. Why don't we call it Sutter's Club? <laughs> Who's Sutter? So irritating. I would have loved it if both Data and and Jordy were like, who's Sutter? I'm Sutter. Oh, right. Right. We forgot. All right. Good joke, Sutter. You're also here. Thank you. Go do this bitch work. Hi, sir. I love that he's such a dick to his kid, but he's so, like, obsequious with them. Forge Nebula. It's got sort of a majestic sound, don't you think? Given the selections, I prefer FGC 47. Data that's a, that's is a, crushing it with yeah. jokes this week. I, I feel like that was a good data joke. That's no, that a, was that's, I think but that was an intentional yeah. joke from Data. Oh, you think it was intentional? Just like when he says it's a it's clearly a bunny rabbit. Huh. I don't think so. I mean, you get this is where you get into the same area of like what was the other thing that uh, it's in this episode. He says something to Guinan. The bunny rabbit. That the cloud nebula looks like a bunny rabbit. I feel like there's something he says about the the interaction of, of everyone. But uh, maybe it is just the bunny rabbit thing. Um, but I feel like it's him showing that he's human. More human than I he thinks he is. More than it's him making an intentional joke. Well, you love them. They can you know what I mean? Well, I think he... Like, technically, he shouldn't be able to see the bunny rabbit, but he is more human than he thinks he is, and therefore he sees the bunny rabbit. Oh, I think... I thought he was just... I read it as... Because they gave us that first joke, I was like, oh, in this one, Data has a sense of humor, all of a sudden. About right. anything life throws at him, you know? Thanks, Commander. Mm-hmm. I like Jordy's advice, children. Also, hang on. Let's but- see. I mean, I just skipped way too far ahead. You will. Whoops. How's my daddy? She pops up into engineering. Oh, by the way, I love that backstory about Jordy. Yep. I find it really great. You know, usually they, they, uh, they you know, 
network executives will sort of try to get you to cram information about characters into every episode. This was really satisfying. His father was a zoologist and his mother was a command officer. Um, I'm sure that, that must be rife with memory beta inf- information and stories. And alpha. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. The, oh, we'll see wow. you later. Oh, exciting. Sarah, you can't be here right now. But Isabella wanted to see engineering. I, I don't care what Isabella wanted to see. You go back to our quarters right now. But Daddy. Rich LaForge, our speed is still dropping. I hear you, Captain. I'm increasing the power to the impulse engines, but forward velocity just isn't consistent with engine output. Explanation. It seems like there's something increasing the drag coefficient on the ship, but we can't find the source. If we can't correct it, we may have to reverse course and leave the nebula. Give me a couple of minutes here, Captain. Drag coefficient. Is that a thing that you need to worry about in space? I don't know. I also had a question of they mentioned the dampening field and that they might hit the dampening field. As though it was a concern. That wasn't how I understood the dampening field to be. I mean, it's always a concern when you hit the dampening field. I thought the dampening field helps them. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. But drag coefficient in space necessary unnecessary tell us what you think at home clara now i'm sorry commander should be (laughs) why do you keep disappearing like that the grown-ups don't believe i'm real when they're around i have to be invisible wait here they don't believe i'm real I have this uh, possibly uh, controversial thing to say. I think the kid playing Clara is actually very good. And the kid playing the imaginary fl- friend, who uh, has more on her plate because she has to be evil, is not good. Uh, I think Clara is sort of playing it relatively grounded. Yeah, I agree with that. But also, like, I think this character is poorly defined. So the girl playing Isabella is like, what do you want me to do? And I'm not supposed to smile ever? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. See, at this point, you're like, oh, is it a friendly ghost? That's great, Data. What did you do? Right. That, like, fixed the problem for the Enterprise? Did they ever define that? No. Yeah, that's messed up. (laughs) The problem seems to have corrected itself. I'd forgotten about that. That is messed up. Where did you go? Like, unless I guess she like man. feels like her presence on the ship, kind of, or or the presence of the her her cohorts out in the field were uh, screwing things up, and so she was sort of covering their tracks. Maybe that's what's oh, going on. Oh, I see. On. Sure, that's a lot of leaps. Well, later they sort of go through all these, you know all this discussion to get to what went wrong and it has to do with the outside thing so it's theoretical some sort of damping field to cause us to lose velocity and we have simulated several such fields but we're unable to reproduce the same drag coefficient and we still don't know why the problem suddenly corrected itself seems we're looking at a unique phenomenon one that hasn't been recorded before question is do we stay here and check it out might be dangerous since we've only experienced the phenomenon once, it is impossible to estimate the risks. This is interesting, the lighting in here on this scene. It's very sort of like, uh, you know, you have the source of the nebula casting red light. If you look at Picard's head, 
Yeah. Um, it's got a glow on it, and Data also has that. I like the lighting in here. It's beautiful. Way Kinda to looks go, like the Star- director of photography. Looks like the Star Trek II nebula. Captain, I'd like to stay here for a little bit. Collect some samples of the gaseous matter. See what it tells us. Hang out. Agreed. Collect your samples, Mr. LaForge. We'll proceed with caution. Dismissed. Side note. I may, I may be wrong here. Yeah. I feel like Picard's... Uh, Card's uniform is ill-fitting in this episode. For some reason, it seems baggier. Maybe he lost some weight or something. Hmm. Maybe he's, he's not most in the first. Maybe his uniform is out in the cleaners, <laughs> and they're planning on putting him in the Picard again. And then they were like, "Shit, here, take Frakes's." Could be. Let's go someplace with a lot of people. Okay. Isabella, why are you so serious lately? What do you mean? You haven't even smiled once today. Is this the first day? The, yes, they're in the same clothes. I mean, she's You're in the same friend, clothes. You're my best friend, Isabella. Why? I don't know. Because we do things together. And we Let me ask you this. At this point, what is your perspective on... She, Clara seems to draw the distinction between whether Isabella is, I guess, visible or not, not real. She always thinks she's real, but sometimes she is, she's aware of like, oh, now she's visible to other people and now she's not. No, I think she is aware of an imaginary friend and knows that Isabella is imaginary. Right. Because sometimes it seems like she's referring to her as though she knows she's imaginary and sometimes it's like this she's saying you haven't smiled once today as though she's like the imaginary version of her had smiled she's not saying she this version of her yes smiled i think before. that she's like holy shit i was imagining you all this time and now i'm seeing you for realsies i think she knows the difference between seeing someone in reality versus seeing someone in the mind's eye right but she thought that it was still she was still real in the mind's eye or you think she thought she was imaginary? I think she was real to her internally. She never saw her for real, sees her for real, and is like, "Why aren't you exactly like my imagination version?" All right. There's another. There's an. There's an, a scene later that I want to address. This that is makes it even more confusing. But okay. Well, I mean, look. I think it's clear that none of this is well written. <laughs> Does everybody have a best friend? If they're lucky. Before I had you. I didn't have one. Why not? Every time I made friends with someone, my daddy's job would change. I moved to a new ship. So you want me to kill your daddy? The best friend. How long? Depends. With you, not very long. You always listen to me. You when I was sad. Clara, I'm glad we're best friends. Raise you. Okay. Ready, set, go. <laughs> really telegraph that wharf hit. Yeah. I mean, come on, Isabella. Come on, kid. How long you been in the business? Come how on. Long, how long you been running into Klingons? When you What's see that? an actor, what you do is you, you stand next to the actor and then you backtrack so that even if you're looking down, you know how far it is on the floor, the feel of how far that person is. Come on, kid. <laughs> I don't have the specific school of acting. Um, 
sound. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't send it to you. Yeah. It's just point. been too long since we used it. But here's what right. she should be saying right now. I will learn to do better, sir. Sorry. <laughs> Return to your quarters. And we will forget this incident. Thank you. Come on. Looks like she's gonna fry him. He'll Two die things. first. <laughs> Two things. One thing is uh Worf is way more tolerant of other children on the ship than he is of Alexander. And I antics. think this is the progression of Worf's softening. Oh, I think because of Alexander. Yes. Interesting, yeah. Um and then the second thing is um what is what is uh Annabelle's, you know, guidance guiding sort of principle in terms of when she lets people see her or not like why did she why did she not disappear when Worf was there because she was racing Andy she senses everything but she was racing what's the matter what's that for Uh, nothing I just feel like she's she has her you know she has these superior powers of uh-huh. Go through walls. She like uh, she knows what's in people's minds. It feels like she would have known that he was there. Well, then she would have disappeared mid run, which <laughs> would have been, been fine too. Because I don't know. Then you just have Worf look like an idiot later when he's like, "I've seen the girl. <laughs> I've seen the alien intruder." Sometimes together, sometimes separately. I never knew whether or not I was going to be stationed with my father while he studied invertebrates in the Modine system or on some. Outpost near the neutral zone with my mom. Was that hard on you? I don't remember it that way. It must have been disruptive if you didn't stay in one place long enough to make friends. Oh. I just became I friends with there were some these machines instead. Have... You know, an L-Cars panel is really warm if you <laughs> snuggle up to it. People tell you you an can't ideal. hug an L-Cars display, but that's not true. <laughs> To me, it was just one long adventure. Children are a lot stronger than you think. As long as they know you love them, they can handle just about anything life throws at them, you know? Thanks, Commander. Mm-hmm. How about a spinoff with Jordy's parents and, and baby genius Jordy? It's a Somalian coral fish. <laughs> I'd watch it. Huh? Oh, here's the, uh, here's the scene of uh, which was uh, rewritten days before. To have Guinan in it this episode, by the way. Just because she was available, I guess? Yep. So this was going to be Troy and Crusher talking to Data. And it became Guinan. No, it's a Somalian coral fish with its fin unfolded. I believe what you're seeing is the effect of the fluid dynamic processes inherent in the large-scale motion of rarefied gas. No, no. First it was a fish, and now it's a Mentonian sailing ship. Where? Right there. Don't you see the two swirls coming together to form the mast? I do not see it. It is interesting that people try to find meaningful patterns in things that are essentially random. I have noticed that the images they perceive sometimes suggest what they are thinking about at that particular moment. Besides, it is clearly a bunny rabbit. There it is. 
There it is. Andy says it's just him learning to be more human. I argue he's talking to an Elorian, so he's not even communing with humans. He's just making a joke. Go to our poll this week, and you can decide. <laughs> Please don't. <Indeed. laughs> we well, go poll crazy. We only would let you in with a grown-up, but since you brought Isabella, you can be my guest. Won't you join me? Thank you. About two papala juices with extra bubbles. Just one, please. Isabella isn't thirsty. One juice. You aren't like the other grown-ups. Oh, no? They don't think Isabella's real. Well, most grown-ups have a hard time with things they can't see. Why? Well, because they get preoccupied by other things. Like what? I don't know. Like, Get out of my bar. The fuel it takes to power a ship. Or whether we should go to one star system or another. Or whether little girls should go to bed at seven or be allowed to stay up till eight. So their heads get so full that they forget about the things that are... I would have put that in military time. Oh, good point. But, you know, that's just me. Again, unless she means 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Right. Nobody's saying like 7 what? and 8 a.m. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, maybe that's it. Who knows? Maybe it's a weird. Maybe that's the schedule. They put kids to bed in the morning there. <laughs> they could. What did she say? She said. Clara, please tell me what Isabella said. She said. You better leave us alone. Oh, snap. Also, so here's, here's here, my question about that. Go ahead. Thank you. You're probably going to say the same thing I'm going to say. Well, let's find out. Why doesn't Deanna Troy sense the consciousness? Oh, no. That, that's another good point. Okay. That's that a, was yours. a really good point. My point was going to be... Um, thank you. Whoops. Can Clara actually see... Annabelle now she she made the distinction of but now basically you can be seen so suggesting it was before she was just in her mind's eye mm-hmm. except she tells Troy no she's not over there she's over there and she pretends to be talking to her with Guinan so it's mm-hmm. like is she just messing with Troy when she says she's not over there she's over there or does she actually see her and then there's another level of distinction of like I can see her I can interact with her but I know that she's not visible to everyone else you know what I mean it feels like that's what they're saying it is it's weird agreed it's very weird but also why doesn't Troy sense the alien presence or the life forms outside the ship that want to suck its energy up she has a weird relationship with twinkly, twinkly lights anyway are you mad at me? I'm sorry I got you into trouble. That's okay. Are we still best friends? Here. You can help me put this together if you want. Of course I do. Now help me murder Clara, everyone. Why are grown ups so mean? <laughs> They're not mean. They're just more serious than we are. Sometimes I wish they would just go away. You do? Yes. I don't like them. Can you bring me to your armory? <laughs> then 
she starts phasering everybody. That doesn't really happen. But her eyes turn does. red here. Hang on. That's right. Did that remind you of anybody, Matt? What's that? Did that remind you of anybody we were watching recently? <laughs> that was your biggest complaint about Arium in, uh, in Disco. <laughs> Oh, that her eyes turn red to to, <laughs> and it's and evil. it's uh, to your point. It's the the most cliche move of uh, if you're not doing it comedically, it's funny to make somebody's eyes turn red. It's ridiculous. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode segment of just part of a network of much larger strands. When these things come in contact with our shields, it produces a resonant effect, and that creates the drag coefficient we've been experiencing. Is there anything like this on record? No, sir. Do you know how many of them there might be? No, but if we run the warp field generators through the deflector grid, we could radiate a field outside the ship. We'd be able to see for ourselves. Mm. Let's do it. And just when you thought there were enough children in this episode... I thought you might like a partner. We add the most annoying child. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Roshanko. Clap, 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 clap. Here, honey. Put on the smock. I've never made a cup before. How do you make the round part? Well, it's easy. You take a big piece of clay like this... Push your hand into it. If it's so easy, why'd it take you two weeks, you dummy? <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> I worked on that for two weeks. Yeah. Like, Alexander, Alexander get your by. shit together. Yep. Well, Alexander, <laughs> did you work on it for two weeks for 20 <laughs> seconds a day? And we should be able to illuminate any strands within 2,000 kilometers of the ship. Proceed. Initiating field generation. Pew, pew. Jordy? Well, I just like to make that noise. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Really beautiful effects in this episode. Yeah. Remarkable. It is an irregular lattice composed of approximately 47 million strands of energy. Captain, with this many of them, the resonant effect on our shields could cause a problem. Agreed. Ensign brings about, takes out of the nebula. It may be difficult, sir. I am detecting a significant number of strands behind us. Do your best, Ensign. I sir. Uh, side note. I did uh, my the, best. What? The name of the uh, <laughs> the extra <laughs> that I thought was maybe a major character in another episode. Her name was Holly McBee, and she also appeared in the episode Power Play. Uh, um, but um, she never had a line and had no other career as an actor. So <laughs> I was <All> right. incorrect. <laughs> well, you know. Sometimes your claim to fames are all internal. I know her from something in front of me. This episode. Something big. (laughs) Season five of TNG, maybe. I know her from a big episode. So Isabella is just fucking with Troy by knocking down the hot cocoa. And then and then and then runs into this area here and breaks Alexander's bullshit? Yep. Isabella? Clara? I didn't do it. Who did? 
It was Isabella. I don't see anybody. She's invisible. I spent two weeks on that. It was really mean. <laughs> I think Didn't you got to give it. props to Alexander for not getting into it about the invisible person. It's just like, all right, why don't we just talk about the thing? I'm not going to argue whether there's an invisible person here. Yeah, and then he, by the way, you know, I feel like he's one of the first people to be like, oh, shit, there is someone, because he gets hit in the head with clay. That's true. I thought that was going to be the tipping point, and then you would have two children. Side note, also, Worf is incredibly patient with them. Alexander is incredible. Didn't Alexander, like, bite a kid once? He did something. (laughs) I I don't remember that, but it sounds reasonable. He either bit a kid or he hit a kid. He definitely did something with some kid that was pissing him off. So and now this, this he's alien incredibly patient in this scene. This alien is upset that it had to hang out by itself. This is one of those episodes that, like, I I, I don't have a ton to say about it because it's like whatever. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. Whatever. It's just like the same shit over and over again, like. It evil, is very repeaty. Evil it's kid, an that, scared yeah. friend. It's also, isn't it astonishing how much of the episode is just built on these two kids? Yes. Just Crazy. like the fucking Alexander and Deanna Troy's mom episode. Yeah, but it, that well, that is true. So yeah, it's a really good point. Two episodes within three episodes that are just all non-major characters. You got these great characters. What are you doing? I don't know. I guess you're doing 26 episodes a season, which more power to Yeah, but even if it's 26 ep- it just seems like it, there's... It, 26 episodes, these- but like seven-day shoots. They're shooting so long. There's a, there's a general, I think, thought process, at least on the shows I've worked on, that it's like anytime you write, even if it's a great side character, they're always like, yeah, but we got to really spend most of the time on the main characters, But which I understand, but that's sort of like more reasonable if it's like one of the main characters interacting with a side character they should have a little more leeway for and they usually don't even allow this this is no main characters other than troy oh it's crazy and troy is sort of superfluous captain forward velocity is down by 0.6 percent velocity down by 2.4 percent Data. We are moving through a dense concentration of energy strands. Can we go to warp? Stress on the hull would be too great. Captain, the density appears to be lower off the starboard bow. Ensign, bring us to a bearing 030 Mark 5. Aye, sir. You know what I thought was? It's interesting to me that with Picard's background as such a great pilot... That he never, or he, he act, I guess he has once or twice, but like in a situation like this, it's not his gut instinct to go, and so now I'm, I'm going to take the helm. Well, because I think a good Federation captain should learn how to delegate and trust your staff. No, but shouldn't the the best guy always take care of it, or best girl? Well, lady, he doesn't woman. think he's the best guy. Don't turn, on, in, don't thinks- turn into a bad ship runner, Andy. <laughs> uh, he thinks Ford velocity holding. Ensign Felton is better than uh, Jean-Luc Picard at flying a starship Well, maybe his aromatic syndrome has kicked in Oh yeah, maybe 
meanwhile at the bar. <laughs> Is something wrong with the cake? Excuse me? Well, I see you sitting here with a piece of untouched chocolate cake in front of you. I assume something's wrong with the cake or something's bothering you. I'm sure the cake's fine. I've just been thinking. Let me guess. About the little girl with the imaginary friend? I'm wondering if I'm doing the right thing. How so? Well, I know the best thing to do is to gradually wean her away from her fantasy. And she did make some new friends today and had a good time. But? But I can't help feeling that I'm taking something from her. Something precious. Part of her childhood. These scenes when Guinan out counsels Counselor Troy. It's always it's like, so funny. What are we doing here? Yeah. Who, who's, who's, it's like a real council off. Guinan's winning. She won't even go into her room. She's terrified that Isabella's going to hurt her. Do you have any imaginary right. friends, Andy? Probably late in the game to be asking you this, but... Uh, no, I don't think so. Me either. Couldn't even get imaginary ones, Matt and I. Do you think it's, like, a thing that actually happens, or if it's just a trope of popular culture? Oh, really good question. I definitely only know about it from TV. Right. That's really interesting. Someone how says do you know, this must be. A how thing. do you know that the kid doesn't have some kind of emotional, like serious mental issue? Well, I mean, that's what she, that's what Troy is saying here. It's like, yeah. oh, she keeps uh, moving ship to ship and can never make friends. I don't know. Well, Troy was originally saying it was no problem. And then as soon as the kid starts threatening people... Well, it's not a problem until she threatens the lives of the ship. Yeah. I know you're very frightened. Sometimes what we imagine can be just as scary as something real. But I promise you, there is no way Isabella can harm you or anyone on this ship. But she's not imaginary anymore. She's real now. Oh, see? see She knew she was imaginary. You can see her. Yes. If I go with you and hold your hand, will you go into your room? I think so. We'll make sure Isabella isn't anywhere around, okay? Come on. By the way, a lot of the people from this point forward in the in the show talk about how Clara is really scared and kind of like suggesting that she's freaking out. She, she's got this this imaginary person that blips in and out of re- reality that threatens every person on the ship and threatens to kill her. I think this girl's staying pretty cool under fire. Frankly, I would be way more freaked out than this girl is. Well, I mean that's just because you care about the well being of those around you. Whereas I think Clara does not. Oh, is Clara a little bit of a sociopath? I believe so. Yeah. Clara's pulling all the strings here. Let's look under the bed. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe uh, the uh, Annabelle's really just... Is she there? Really just finding uh, in Clara what the... What it's her, a how forced really projection. Feels. It's a projection of her true yeah. self. Yeah. That actually would have been okay. a much better Where turn. Else? Oh, sure. They realized that Clara is the real threat. <laughs> And then she because and also it makes more sense. That's part of the reason it's boring is Clara. All these things about these concerns about Clara, she was in traveling and everything else, are all reasonable, but they never really show an impact on on her 
behavior or like how it has impacted her and this would have been a great reason you know like this is how it's impacted her this is a projection of how she feels inside boring the hell out of matt maybe it's not you the episode's boring me andy thank you matt thank you for saying it's just the episode anything here Listen to all this action. <laughs> Maybe Isabella knows that you've so got new friends now. In fact, I'll bet she doesn't come around as much anymore. Until she does and then gets bullshit. laser blasted in the... Anybody Watch in this. Looks pretty empty to me. <gasps> I gotta say, I kind of love that. <laughs> what? I don't know. I kind of love that she's just like doing the classic like kid thing of, oh, well, look in here. Oh, your imaginary friend is not Oh, Jesus. <laughs> sure. Blonde hair. Clara. Clara is sleeping. She's going to be fine. Her bioelectrical processes were severely disrupted. It's as if the energy was pulled right out of her body. They wait until so far into the episode for Annabelle to be unmasked and be a real threat. And I think it would have been much better if they did it like at the halfway point. And then it was like a full on like them trying to contain her, them trying to battle her. And then really their backs being against the wall. That's when Picard starts reasoning with her. Yeah, Um, I think it's. Boy, I don't love this episode, Andy. Yeah, I get that. I get that sense. I mean, it's hard to even talk about. <laughs> well, it's our job, so you got to muscle. No, I know, but it's like, what has told me that is there to say about these threats? She claimed that others boring away, bullshit, and that they had plans to kill everyone on the ship. They did their best. Come on, Matt. God, Lieutenant Wolf. They write twenty-six episodes Warfare. a season. I know it's a lot, but here's my thing: stop taking scripts from not writers, guys. Stop it. I know you oh, had an open was... submission, and I know that it was cool, but like sometimes you have to look and go, "No, thank you." Yeah. Oh man. Oof. Was that? Per- did that person ever go on to anything? I don't know. It's by the story's by five people. Oh uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Lieutenant, we've established the presence of what appears to be an alien entity on board. It seems the entity has manifested itself in the form of a 12-year-old human girl who's been seen with Clara Sutter. She has what? blonde this hair and blue insane. eyes. And a blue dress. Yes, sir, I have seen her. When? Two days ago, near engineering, she was with Miss Sutter. Security alert, Mr. Wolf. And you didn't report it to anyone in security... Oh well, um, I well, uh, I've just it's embarrassing, Mister Wolf. Um, seem like a little girl, so I'm going to fire you. You're fired. <laughs> you encountered an alien presence on this ship, and you said nothing. Keep a good lookout, aye, sir. <laughs> we'll just keep a good lookout. Seven lines. Yeah, you are on fire, Agawa. What about her, Clara? I think her feelings were hurt. She said she liked me. She liked being with me. She was my friend. She only got me when I stopped paying attention to her. And by me, I mean threatened to kill all the others were coming. All right, thanks, sweetie. You go back to bed now. We'll handle this. But, Daddy... Can I go to the brig or somewhere where it can't hurt me? (laughs) (laughs) 
If we need your help again, I hope we can count on you. Yes, Captain. Captain Picard, report to the bridge. On my way. Report. Our speed is down by... Well, I was standing here when you left, and I haven't moved. Honestly. I did turn to look at Worf when he was like, oh, I've seen that little girl. I was like, what? Really? You didn't say anything to anyone? And then Data said a joke. You missed it. I think it was a joke. But that's pretty much all that's been happening here. Oh, and our speed is down by 2%. I also thought about what I was going to wear tomorrow, and then I realized, oh, I always wear the same thing. Oh, or silk pajamas. Whatever. Strand density is ten times what it was, Captain. We can't take many more of these hits. All stop. Sir, something is moving really toward cool us. Looking. Bearing 103, oh, beautiful. Four. On screen. It appears to be an energy vortex of highly complex patterns. Possibly a life form. Red alert! It is in direct physical contact with our shields. Shield strength dropping to 75%. 72%. Damn thing's feeding off our shields. Mr. Data? Remodulate our shield frequencies. Bye, sir. No effect. Turn off the shields. Hmm, interesting. They've definitely done that before. They have done that. That's, you know, I feel like that's been the solution to like four problems. Yeah. Shield strength has dropped to 64%. We've got about eight minutes before this thing drains our shields. Any ideas? No, but I know a little girl who might have one. <laughs> to the Arboretum! <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, Mr. Wolf, join me! <laughs> it's inside of you too! Isabella? Who's this woman working in the Arboretum? I feel like I've seen her before. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe once. Maybe that one, once. That one, one time. One time. <laughs> she didn't say anything. I'm certain I've seen her before, though. <laughs> I know her from something big. Isabella? <laughs> you know, you've been on this ship for some time now. And that you're posing as Clara's friend. And that you've been threatening her. We can only assume that there is some connection between yourself and the life forms attacking this ship. You're obviously an intelligent being. A very intelligent being. And classy. I also like the way that you do things. You know, like (laughs) turn over cups and uh, also that one time you fixed our ship for some reason that we never addressed. (laughs) That was good. Talk to us. Can you only communicate by threatening a small child? Nice sarcastic classic Picard. Classic Picard insulting. Or is it because you are so tiny you can't see Worf? (laughs) 
Hi. <laughs> Who are you? I came here to determine whether you were a threat to us and to examine the purity of your energy sources. Energy? Is that why you're draining our shields? Yes. The emissions from your graviton-filled generators are far richer than our normal sources of energy. Scott Bridge, report. Shields are down to 3%. We're diverting all available power. Acknowledge. If it's energy that you want, we have. I was work. like, "What is that sound?" And I realized that the arboretum has running water. Oh, ways of providing it. Of course, you needn't destroy us. You should be destroyed. You are cruel, uncaring creatures. What makes you say that? The way you treat Clara. In what way have we mistreated her? Our force duty is to the truth. Do what she wanted to, or go where she wanted to. <laughs> you mean where you wanted her to? What difference does it make? You were taking her to places that were inappropriate, even dangerous. I wouldn't have let anything happen to her. We didn't know that. We didn't even know if you were real. All we knew was that a little girl's imaginary friend was frightening her, threatening her. That was only after you told Clara not to be my friend. I kind of like that she kind of calls him on that because he's trying to box it in as though she started by threatening her. You are seeing this ship. That's that's not true. Oh, the threatening, yes, that's yeah. true. He's saying that as though that's always been her behavior, but uh, that's I only see. was only her behavior after uh, Clara started being Interesting. a dick to Whose her. side are you on here, Andy Secunda? I, I just see, you know, I think that the little demonic child had made some valid points. That's all. Right. all. Are you an Isab- do- Isabella for life? <laughs> I think she should be my main character. Do you think um, you should start printing T-shirts that say "Isabella did nothing wrong"? <laughs> seems like it could be catchier than that. <laughs> um, I uh, I also it's like I was I was going to defend the characterization as like well she you could say she's acting like this because she took on what what Clara's perception of a child would be and that's why she's taking this so personally uh-huh um but on the flip side of that once she starts interacting with Picard it seems like she's speaking in a much more adult tone so it's a little confusing maybe Clara was the first one she laid eyes on and she has a best friend mated with Clara <laughs> all of us the perfect best friend respect <laughs> child's point of view must seem terribly unfair and restrictive to you. As adults, we don't always stop to consider. It feels like this shot, or like of Worf and Sutter. It's like they're learning something too. Yep. <laughs> How everything we say and do shapes the impressions of young people. But if you're judging us as a people by the way we treat our children, and I think there can be no better criterion, then you must understand. How deeply we care for them. When our children are young... Except for me, I, I mean, hate children. It's in my character. <laughs> Everyone knows that it took me a long time to even tolerate them, but I you wouldn't get the idea. I'd eject her into space if I had my way. <laughs> they don't understand what might be dangerous. Our rules are to keep them from harm, real or imagined. And that's part of the continuity of our human species. 
When Clara grows up, she will make rules for her children. To protect them. As we protect her. Please don't hurt us. If you still want to be my best friend, I'd like that very much. I look like COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Wee! <laughs> Gotta go! You don't have any friends! Status number one. We're clear of the strands. We'll have full warp capability in 20 minutes. How long was <laughs> Riker in control of the bridge from his chair? <laughs> just oh, you think you, you should have taken time. the captain's chair? He Does always, he take the captain's whoever chair? Whoever takes oh, yeah. the con takes the chair. Oh, yeah. oh. that'd make me feel uncomfortable if, if it was if I was captain. I don't want other people sitting in my chair. What if he just uh, slid Picard's chair to, over and put his in the middle? <laughs> this area. Is his chair sort of facing down somewhere? He's like, I don't like this chair. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have the back adjusted the way that I like it. I always accidentally hit these buttons with my elbows. <laughs> Mr. Forge, I wanted to drive the warp engines to full power and direct an energy beam out into the nebula. Aye, sir. What are you, crazy? May I fire torpedoes into the nebula, sir? <laughs> they probably like that energy, too. <laughs> I came to say I'm sorry I frightened you. still kind of freaks her out. That's okay. And I misled you. I wasn't really your Isabella. For a while you were. Like, like 45 minutes. Before. It was great. I'm sorry. Well, I was the away. most chill person we've ever seen. Do you think you'll ever come back? She's probably going to be like the coolest commander of all time. Yeah. She'll Maybe that's Starfleet. Janeway. Oh, no, it's not Janeway. Get that a ship. <laughs> Completely off my chronology. So, so do I. Janeway at this time is probably first officer on board whatever ship that was. Cool. Let's see that show too. Stop going backwards, Andy. Sorry. Go forwards. Nebula. 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 <laughs> Goodbye, Enterprise. It's your friends in the nebula. So long. Oh, that's next week's episode. We can't play that yet. Uh, All right, Andy. That does it for Imaginary Friend. Thank God we got through it. (laughs) My Imaginary Friend, Bo, is barking up a storm outside. He's your real dog. I can see him. Or is he imaginary to me? You can see Bo, too? Yeah. (laughs) What? I thought only I could see him. Uh, that said, everybody, it's time for a little bit of MVC. Andy, I know how our show goes. All right, you seem like every segment. I know exactly when <laughs> and what bet, time it happens. I bet being in control of the uh, of the sounds really has helped force you to understand. Who the- also, my organization of the sounds too. I like put them in an order. Oh, gotcha. So. Troy, Dr. Dr. Crusher. Crusher. If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free.
Yeah. Before we get into it, uh, we did hear from uh, Lieutenant Commander Brad Arrington, who is our ship's statistician. Oh, who's yeah. made uh, many wonderful charts and graphs and tracked everything. And uh, he said, uh, hi again, Andy. In cause and effect, you mentioned that Crusher was crushing it in the NVCs. Well, not exactly. So far this season, she has two MVC points. Has she gotten another one since cause and effect? I think she has. Um, that puts her in only fourth place for season five. But she knocked it out of the park in uh, for season four. Somehow the fake doctor faked her way to the MVC for all of season four yeah. with 4.9 points, besting even Captain Picard. That's amazing. Hello are a couple of charts for your amusement. Uh, so, yeah. I will probably slap season them on the four. Twitter or on our Instagram. Season four, Crusher. Uh, thanks, Brad Arrington. Season four, Crusher crushed it. Not only does he do the graph, but he color coats it by uniform, which is yeah. fucking great. It's pretty impressive. So let me just say, the command division, uh, season five, Riker, fucking pick up the slack, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Riker doesn't have much time to make headway here. Right now, we got, uh, this is up through uh, episode 19. Uh, yeah. We have a commanding lead of nearly one full point by uh, Jean-Luc Picard over Data. So... It's a tight race between Data and LaForge, separated by half a point. So I have a um, controversial, another controversial opinion. Uh, I think Clara is the MVC. <laughs> She's the one that really says the final thing that turns Annabelle around. Like, Picard gives his speech, but it's really Clara's speech that uh, turns her. Although, technically, Clara's not a, a crew member, so... She's on the ship. She's a civilian on the I ship. Would ca- I would count a civilian on the ship doing something. You can make your evaluation on that. Well, it looks like we gave half a point to Leah Brahms in season four. And half no, a point didn't. to Dr. Toby Russell, who I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> but... If this imaginary creature... Ha- like, if this alien hadn't found Isabella... Or Clara, how would it have communicated? Maybe it would have found its way into like Data or Jordy, and it would have been a much quicker solve. Are you saying it's Clara's fault? I'm saying it might be Clara's fault. I don't buy that it's Clara's fault because she didn't have. It wasn't a result of any choice she made. I got to be honest but... with you, though. You're onto something here with giving it to Clara because nobody really does anything. I think Clara stays cool through the whole episode with a lot of crazy shit going on. Congratulations, Clara Sutter, on earning (laughs) an MVC award. And you know what? We are going to name it the Sutter Nebula, but after you, and it will be specified, it is the Clara Sutter Nebula to really stick it to your dumb father. Clara Sutter Nebula, (laughs) not the Ensign Sutter Nebula. Thank you. Now... How many Andy's does this episode get? Oof. I want to hear you first. Uh, I give it a 1.5. Ooh, 1.5. That 0.5 extra is coming at you for only from the data and Geordi exchanges and engineering and through the hallways. You know, I I actually feel like it wasn't as bad. It, it, could, it wasn't as bad as it... 
it could have been better. Like the setup of the alien inhabiting an imaginary friend to a small girl, it sort of verges on a weird, crappy 80s movie. But Mm -hmm. like it could have been interesting when you get to the characterization of the alien itself. And that's where it kind of fell apart. Uh, but the performance of the little girl was good, and uh, and I like the little data exchanges. And um, but yeah, you're right. So I'm going to give it a, a two. <laughs> you said so and many a lot more positive things about it than I did. Did I well, give it end, I really, too many? I didn't in- points. Did I? Did you? No, I'm saying did I give it too many points? If you're that close to me, and I well, really it disliked it. One is really that's really kicking it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think in the end, what I really look at, whatever I babble with, is I sort of think, but how much did I enjoy it? Mm. I really didn't enjoy it. But yeah. although, when you get, you know what, I'm going to kick it up to a 2.5 because Whoa. you, because you, it wasn't that unpleasant to watch. Once you get down into two, it's like this was unpleasant to watch, or I'm aggressively angry at this this episode. Well, it's like I don't generally watch shows starring and featuring only children. <laughs> And then, like, I'm forced to watch it because my 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 favorite show has it as the only plot. Yeah. It's like this is out of control, and like it's not like a comedy which I can watch. If it's a family comedy and there's kids in it, sure. But this is right. fucking science fiction drama. You were just defending your job there. You realized you were talking about your job. <laughs> well, I mean, these ki- those kids aren't kids anymore. Sure. Uh, but this wasn't even this isn't even like high school students this isn't even junior high this is a child in fourth grade or something yeah. and, a, and a dumb Klingon who can't make a cup for two weeks it's true. two weeks it takes him to make that terrible cup Alexander's got a lot of problems he, he sure does he's not good at making he's not good at Our, pottery either yeah. Well, you know, Alexander, I hopefully it'll turn around for you someday. Uh, but right now, Andy, it's time for us to watch the trailer for next week's episode. Uh, Victor Borg. I Borg. I sent you the link. It's in the Zoom chat. Got it. Hang on a sec. Sure. Sorry. And then we'll uh, hit play when you are ready. I'll count us in. If anyone at home has this up on their computer currently and feels like it. I'm Wait ready. for us. We'll count you into hitting play. You ready, I'm Andy? Ready. Yep. Three, two, one, play. A terrifying threat from the past. Kill it now. Sparks a moral dilemma. We can't leave him here. He won't survive. And violent memories collide. It's not a person, damn it. It's a boar. Now, will the crew seek revenge with a daring experiment? Sending him back to destroy the others. And like some sort of walking bomb. Or will it lead them into an enemy trap? And then they're going to come looking for us. And they will destroy us. On Star Trek The Next Generation. Wow. Overarching theme this year, friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, that pretty um, much does yeah, it, Yeah, I've seen that one because I watched it in prep for uh, for Picard. And it's a good yeah. one. It is a good one. Uh, I look forward to watching that. And then the episode after that, I look forward to watching. It's going to be a good couple of weeks coming up. Uh, still time, everyone, to get in the uh, Patreon before Andy and I start reading those names aloud. Uh, patreon.com forward slash star trek tnc get yourself some extra episodes oh there's hours of content on there 
Join now. Get all the episodes we've done. It's got to be 800 hours. If anybody out there, a president, uh, could has any desire to do the math for us of how many hours of podcasting exist of just this show, that'd be whew, some interesting stats. I would to be see. delighted. It's hundreds, hundreds of hours. So if you ever feel bored, head over to Patreon. Get yourself another couple hundred hours. Uh, that said, Andy's going to have pizza tonight. And uh, I'm going to probably have a bowl of cereal. D- treat yourself right. Get yourself a pizza. Go to the replicator. <laughs> Ask for a the piece of chocolate cake. The replicator never works for me. It Aww. always spits out purple omelets. Oh. Purple omelets? Dumb. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, Call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.